book of Matthew, and we are in Matthew uh, chapter number 21. So I pray that you'll be able to join us uh, as we get into the, uh, the deep things here of the Lord as Jesus here enters into his final week of ministry here on earth. Amen. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Lord, we bless your name once again tonight. We thank you for giving us this opportunity to open up your word. Lord, where would we be? Where would we go? Who would we be without you? Lord, we just bless your name and honor you for who you are and what you have done. Lord, we look forward to great things even as we open up your word tonight. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us uh, grace even as we open up your word. Lord, we pray that you would give us clarity of mind and heart and spirit uh, even as your word goes forth. Lord, I pray that you will also anoint the, the minds and the spiritual eyes uh, of those under the sound of your word at this time. Lord, draw those who need to hear these words this day to this place on the world wide web. Lord, we want you to have your way, Lord Jesus. Move us out of the way. Lord, we want to hear from you. Lord, have your way. Bless us together right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you, Sharon. God bless you, my brother Frank. Uh, thank you so much. God bless you, Frank. Uh, God bless you, uh, my sister Doris. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. And Tracy T., God bless you. God bless you. All righty. We are in Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew chapter 21. And here uh, opens up. As we've been saying, uh, God bless you, Juliana. Uh, the one of the most important aspects of Jesus' ministry on earth, as once again he comes into this final week uh, of ministry, uh, there is first something that must take place. It is very, it is prophesied in Scripture. That's one of the reasons why it's so important. Traditionally known as the triumphal entry, and there are many reasons why uh, it is. Uh, triumphal. Amen. And so let's get into this chapter number 21, Matthew verse number one. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples um, in Matthew, Mark and Luke everywhere. We don't know which two disciples they were. It only says that they were, he sent two disciples Um and once again, he had already, Jesus had already told his disciples on several occasions, five to be exact, uh, from the scripture, from Matt, the book of Matthew itself, that he was on his way to, to Jerusalem. Uh, and there he would be uh, arrested, he would be uh, crucified, but he would rise again. And now, once again, we're coming into the home stretch, if I could use that phrase. Uh, verse number two saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. That's a mother and her child. Amen? The colt. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them. Now notice there the, 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 the authority. In the word of Jesus. He says, listen, if anybody, if anybody approaches you and asks you, what are you doing? Just tell them the Lord has need of them. And straightway, he will send them. Just on, just on the strength of the words, the Lord has need of them. And those, those animals would be released. Amen. So once again, the authority uh, of who Jesus is. All this was done, verse number four, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, up and a colt 
the foal of an ass. Now, that's a combination of Isaiah chapter 62, verse number 11, and Zechariah 9, 9. But once again, what Jesus was about to do was a fulfillment of prophecy. And that's one of the reasons why this triumphal entry is so important. Number one, it is uh, the fact that it fulfills prophecy. And as we move further, we'll see one of the other uh, significant reasons why this entry into Jerusalem was so significant and triumphal. Verse number six, and the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. I, when I, when I uh, read this in my scripture, uh, I circled it. I, I highlighted it because what it says right there at the end of that verse, and did as Jesus commanded them. If we would but do whatever Jesus commands us, what a people we would be. Uh, what a group of people we who are Christians would be if we followed through, all of us, if we all followed through and did as Jesus commands us. Whatever that may be, whatever he has told you, whatever he has told me, uh, if we would just be obedient, this world would be a different place. Let me tell you that. Verse number seven, and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes and they sat him thereon. And so they made, uh, they made a, a, a saddle of sorts for Jesus. Uh, and they put their own clothes uh, on, on this donkey and they put Jesus there. And now Jesus was about to take his ride into Jerusalem. It says, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. Now, as this is going on, as this is taking place, what was the disciples' response to what was going on? Have you ever wondered what were, what were the disciples thinking? Now, they followed through. These two disciples have followed through and done what Jesus has, has commanded them to do. And notice the scripture is very clear that Jesus didn't ask them. He didn't request it. Jesus commanded them, and and but what was, what was their state of mind? What were they thinking when all of this is taking place? Well, we go to the book of John, and John chapter twelve and verse number sixteen gives us a little bit of uh, more insight as to what was taking place with the disciples uh, at this time. John chapter twelve and verse number sixteen it says, "These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remember they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. So as these things are taking place, they have no idea. They have no understanding as to what exactly is taking place. God bless you, my brother Norman. They have no they, they have no understanding initially of what is taking place that would only happen much later but as the story progresses here in verse number nine it says the multitude went before uh and that followed cried saying hosanna to the son of david blessed is he that cometh in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest now that's high praise that's high praise. Hosanna is a phrase that meant save now 
or save now, Lord. So, so what were they saying? They were asking the Lord to save them. But the question comes, what were they asking? What were they asking the Lord to save them from? That is the most important question that needs to be answered. What, what was, what 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 were uh, the people asking Jesus to save them from? Now, we understand here. We understand here that when we look uh, at the people, the people, the the Israelites, the Jews. They were now under Roman domination. We need to understand that the Jews were under Roman domination. And as Jesus comes into Jerusalem and they give him this honor and this respect, uh, having just uh, under, having just uh, realized what he had done in Bethany concerning Lazarus, all the people come out to see him. This must be the man. <laughs> this must be the, he's been around for nearly three and a half years, but th this must be the one. He is the one who is going to deliver us from Roman domination. You see, the triumphal entry is also so important because it helps us to realize that we need to worship and praise him for who he is, not who we think he is. They thought he had come to do one thing, but they were wrong. You see, they had a wrong idea, a wrong mis they had a misconception as to who Jesus was. And we must be careful not to make that mistake. They saw him as their deliverer from Roman domination. He came to be their savior. He wanted to save them from their sins. Jesus was not a political leader. He did not come to, to push out that government and usher in his own. He did not come to do that at this time. He came for the hearts of men and women, and he was soundly and roundly rejected for the most part. And so we see here that as the people are crying out, save us, Lord, save us, Lord, the Pharisees also were here. And we asked the question, what was on the disciples' mind? But what was on the Pharisees' mind? We go back to John. We go back to John chapter number 12, and we read on from that passage. In John chapter 12, verse number 17, it says, The people, the people therefore that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. These were all the people that saw that, and now they were here. For this cause, the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. Verse number 19, here's the Pharisees. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. They said to themselves, See how ye prevail nothing. They had not been able to do anything that they had desired to do concerning Jesus over the years that Jesus had been in ministry here. They had tried to trick him. They had tried to trap him. They had tried to do many things to try and have cause uh, to, to bring art or, or crucify him. They had tried everything. And they make this statement, see how ye have prevailed nothing, uh, all of the things that they tried to do had profited them nothing at this time. And they make this statement, 
the world is gone after him. God bless you, Sister Sarah. The world is gone after him. God bless you, my brother Mark. Though He says the world is gone after him. Now, that was obviously... That was obviously an exaggeration, but yet and still, the world, the world that then was, the world that was important to them, the world had gone after him. As it looked to the Pharisees at this moment in time, as all the people have, have laid down palm branches and, and palm fronds and, and laid their clothes down, their, their very clothing down on the ground for Jesus uh, to, to walk over as he rode on that donkey. To the Pharisees, it looked as if all their efforts had been done with. It seemed, it really did seem that way. And in verse number 10, back in uh, Matthew chapter number 21, when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. When he came into the city, all the city was moved. In other words, they were, they were stirred. That word moved, that word moved there uh, is a word that it, it, it's, let me, I get into the Greek every now and again, but that word move there is from a word where we get our English word seismograph. It's the word S-E-I-O, sio. And that word has to do with a quaking and a shaking. Uh, that that what was going on. There was a tremoring, a shaking of the people. There was stirring. The movement in the city was so great that it, it caused, literally caused uh, an uproar. And the people... We're simply saying, who is this? Who is this? And the answer comes. And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. The prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. Now, that sounds very good and well, because obviously Jesus was a prophet, okay? This is actually true. But once again, what did we say earlier? We said that Jesus came to save men from their sins. And so while Jesus is, was a prophet, Jesus also, people say, he was a good man. Jesus is a prophet. They give him that. Jesus is a good man. They give him that. Jesus was a fine teacher. They give him that. But many do not conclude that he is a savior. That he is the savior of the world. The savior of the world. Especially to those who have put their trust in him. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And we must never forget that. That he came to save. He came what what Jesus is doing now on his way to Jerusalem on his way listen Jesus to say to say it more bluntly Jesus had here he has an appointment with destiny he is on his way to his death it sounds crazy but it is absolutely 100% true Jesus came to die Jesus came to die not because he had some death wish not because Jesus was suicidal, not because he wanted to be a hero. Heroes have weaknesses. Jesus was not a hero. He came to give his life for men and women. He came, as, as I just said, to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to go 
to the cross. Yes, Frank, he was on a mission. And he was on his way to that mission here in Jerusalem at this time. He came to go to the cross. And that's what it all leads up to. That's what all the scripture leads up to. The cross. From Genesis 3 and verse number 15 where we see the proto-evangelium. Uh, the, the, the first prophecy uh, concerning Christ. Up until this very moment in time, this is the centerpiece of scripture. Jesus coming to die on the cross. And he's on his way. But he is more than a prophet. He is more than a teacher. He is the Savior. Amen. He is a Savior. As scripture says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That is you and that is myself. Amen. We have given our hearts. We have put our trust in him. And because of that, heaven will be our reward. Amen. Heaven will be our reward. Now, as Jesus moves on in verse number 12, this is more than likely the next day, but here in verse number 12, it says, Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. I've been told over the years in the different classes uh, that I have uh, taught uh, that here marks a moment in time where Jesus sinned because they've seen, they've seen either movies or pictures or depictions of Jesus in the temple uh, with the whip and overturning the tables and they see him angry and upset and and, and Jesus sinned. Jesus got angry. I, I, I've heard that over the years from people who are looking to hang a sin on Jesus. <laughs> looking, people, people looking to, to find a, a loophole somewhere in scripture that would prove that Jesus actually sinned. But no, no, Jesus did not sin. If anything, if, if, if this is how it is explained, if you want to, if you want to call it, it, it righteous indignation. Listen, you and I, you and I can get angry and upset over things, and and we and and rightfully so. But yet, it's still our anger at at sinfulness uh, is it, not. Let me put it the way: I don't believe our anger at sin is entirely perfect or complete. We don't know the full story. We know sin is sin is sin. But when Jesus came into the temple, and as it goes on here, let's read the next verse. And he said unto them, verse number 13, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. When he saw, when Jesus saw the dishonest dealings that were taking place in his father's house, when he saw that his father's house was being misused and, and corrupted and used for the wrong reason, he experienced righteous, righteous indignation. He is all right. He is all non-sinful in his reaction and his response to what was taking place in his father's house. And so, no, Jesus did not, Jesus did not sin at this point when he got angry. No, 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 not at all. No, 
Jesus saw what was taking place in his father's house and it stirred his spirit and he knew that it was wrong and he took steps to correct it and he did it in a way that made everyone know just how corrupt this thing that they were doing was. These were dishonest people carrying on dishonest business inside of God's house, misusing the God's house. This is a house of prayer, not a, not a house of merchandise. No, a house of prayer. Verse number 14, and the blind. Here's a verse that we can look over many times and, and, and just not see the, the absolute power in this verse. Verse number 14, and the blind and the lame, once he, had, once he had rid the temple of what was taking place, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. It almost seems as if, when I read this, it almost seems as if the blind and the lame and those who were needy were unable, were unable to come into the temple to receive from Jesus because of what was taking place. See, we need to make very sure, we need to make sure that we keep God's house, God's house. And I know that we do a lot of things in, in God's house and, and you know, we, we have different types of celebrations, nothing wrong with that, but we need to make sure that we keep the purposes of God's house in line with Scripture. Amen? It, we, we need to keep it in line with Scripture. And if we're keeping it in line with Scripture, God's house is a house of prayer. We pray for one another, we pray for the needs, and we pray for souls. We pray for people who need the Lord. Amen? But I want to read uh, from Matthew chapter number 15. Matthew chapter number 15 and verse number 30. And I go to this verse because, once again, it speaks of the fact that Jesus heals. Jesus heals. Look, look, look at Matthew 15 and verse number 30. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame and blind and dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he healed them. Jesus never told anybody, come back tomorrow. Jesus never asked for any money when, when he healed. They laid all of these people at his feet, and he healed them. Amen? Uh, in, the book of, in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, and verse number 17, I love this verse. It's so powerful. Uh, Luke 5 and 17, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And here's what it says. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. You see, this is why we, this is why we don't particularly and I say that very kindly as I can, we don't particularly need deliverance services. No, 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 we don't, we don't need deliverance services. Anytime you or I or anyone else shows up in God's house with a need, 
deliverance can take place. Deliverance can take place wherever you are when you come to God's house. Deliverance can take place wherever you are in your house. It doesn't matter where you are, where he is, where the presence of the Lord is, he can heal. He can heal. So you don't, you, you don't have to wait until you get to church. You don't have to wait until you get in the prayer line. You, you, you don't have to wait for that. You can be healed, delivered, set free right where you are. Right where you are. Okay? And, and, and what Jesus can do, what Jesus does in a moment of time, a moment of time, bring fresh healing and deliverance from things that people and we and others have struggled with for years. And he can end it. End it by faith in his finished work. He can do it. Amen? He can do it. The blind, I'm back in verse number 14, chapter 21 of Matthew. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Listen, do not allow do not allow your 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 spiritual or your physical impediment, whatever it may be, do not allow it to keep you from God's house. Do not allow that. Amen. Allow the Lord to do his work. And yes, you can be healed right where you are. Right where you are. Amen. Verse number 15. Amen. Verse number 15. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. This tells you where the heart of the Pharisees were, the scribes and the Pharisees. This, this tells you exactly where they were. They seemed to be a very heartless group of individuals. They see children. They see children crying, save us now. And yet and still, Scripture says that they were, they were filled with indignation. That's what that word displeased means. It means that they were filled with indignation. Let me give you some words that begin to shape exactly what it meant to be displeased, what this word means. They were angry. Let me give you a, a list of words. They're synonyms, but they all uh, they all. Uh, tell us where the scribes and the Pharisees were as they looked at how the people were receiving Jesus. They were angry, disgruntled, resentful, disturbed, upset, offended, annoyed. They were irked. They were vexed. Uh, they were unhappy. They were jealous. Oh, yes, they were jealous. Don't forget that one. They were jealous at how Jesus was being received by the people. That is very important to remember. That had a lot to do with their response to Jesus. And they knew the things that he had done, but they refused. Understand, scribes and the Pharisees refused to believe. This was willful, willful disbelief. They chose, I am not going to believe. Even though I see, what, I see what's going on with my own eyes, I am not going to believe. That's, that's a terrible a terrible place uh, to be. Amen? A terrible place to be. In verse number 16, here's what Jesus says. And said unto him, Hearest thou not what these say? 
the people, the scribes and the Pharisees, look to Jesus and say, don't you hear what they're saying? They're telling you to save them. And Jesus said unto them, yea, have ye ever read? And he knew that they had. Have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Have you never read this? This is from Psalm chapter 8, verse number 2. Have you never read this? Don't, don't you know what scripture says? Okay. Uh, we, babes, once again, is another uh, indication. When Jesus talks about babes, we read about this word babes also uh, in, in, the, in the epistles. Whereas scripture says as newborn babes, Christians, as newborn babes, we, we should desire the sincere or pure milk of the word of God. So we are, we are ourselves in the eyes of Christ. We, we are, we are babes. We are babes. Amen. Uh, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany and lodged there. Now, no one knows for sure uh, when Jesus left here, no one knows for sure that Jesus went uh, to uh, to the house of Lazarus and, and Mary and Martha, or many believe that Jesus was out sleeping uh, in the open air. Uh, nobody is sure, and I'm not sure if that's very important, but verse number 18, uh, when you read verse number 18, it seems to indicate that he was already outside. But anyway, verse number 18. Now in the morning... As he returned into the city, he hungered. Jesus was hungry. Once again, proving his, his humanness. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently, the fig tree withered away. Now, what's happening here? What's taking place? Why does Jesus take such, take such drastic measures at this particular time? Well, at this time of the year, obviously, fig trees actually should have been in bloom at this particular time. But here is a fig tree. Here is a fig tree that had no leaves on it. Now, many times in Scripture, a uh, fig tree... Uh, fig trees are representative of Israel. And what Jesus is, is, is laying forth here, uh, he is laying forth a prophecy and he is laying forth a curse. He is telling us, he is forewarning us what will happen to Jerusalem and the temple. He is forewarning. Amen? And so that is very important uh, that we understand that. Uh, what would eventually happen to Jerusalem and the temple. In 70 AD, we know, history tells us, uh, that the temple was destroyed at that particular time. Uh, but when we, listen, when we talk about prophecy, I want to go back uh, just for a moment. I want to go back just a few verses, um, and, and, and I, wanted to, I wanted to get this. When they called him, uh, in verse number 11, let me go back there just for a few moments. Verse number 11, when they called him uh, that he's a prophet, you know, many times we, many times, and we're living, we're living in the age of the prophetic at this time. Everyone wants a prophecy. Uh, you could even, uh, there was a time, I'm not sure if you can still do it now, 
but I know there was somebody in my area uh, several years ago uh, that you could pay to get your own personal prophecy. You could get your own personal prophecy uh, on the phone, and that was back in the day when phones, uh, you cannot pay for, obviously you cannot pay for a prophecy, but once again, that just tells you the craze with the prophetic uh, nowadays, and here's what we must understand about prophecy. It was a good thing that they called Jesus a prophet. That is good. But here's what we must understand about prophecy. Uh, many times in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, uh, prophecy was uh, predictive. But the word prophecy itself uh, is not primarily a word that is talking about foretelling. It is primarily the word of prophecy is strictly, almost strictly, talking about forth-telling. Telling forth or proclaiming that which is God's will. That which the Lord has spoken. That's what it means to prophesy. Okay? And so in a very real sense, when we, if we look at the meaning of the word uh, prophecy, in a very real sense, if there's a pastor or, or a, a man of God who is, who is speaking... And he speaks forth on, let's, let's use Sunday morning, uh, on Sunday morning and he speaks forth uh, the message, the sermon, as we call it. Uh, and it's from the Lord. It's what the Lord gave him for that day, for that particular congregation. If that's what the Lord gave him, then that individual, that preacher, has prophesied. Because once again, he has foretold uh, the word of the Lord, that which the Lord want it to be spoken. And we understand that there's the gift of prophecy and we understand how prophecy is. But once again, I just wanted to point out uh, that we get caught up in the foretelling aspect. Somebody, We want somebody to tell us what God is going to do. Uh, but many times we don't look at what God is saying to us presently. And that's also a part of what prophecy is. Amen. So I just wanted to bring that up. When we go back to Matthew chapter number 21, uh, verse number, Matthew 21 and verse number 20. When the disciples saw it, they marveled. It says they marveled saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? And so almost before their eyes, they see this fig tree, which had no leaves, but it was yet, uh, recognizable as a fig tree, how they noticed that the fig tree had withered away so quickly. That was because Jesus had pronounced a curse upon the tree. And once again, in so doing, he also was uh, uh, warning and prophesying concerning Israel itself. Verse number 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. What Jesus is talking about there, he's talking about uh, the enormity, the enormity of situations, problems, uh, 
it, it doesn't matter how great the problem, it doesn't matter how great the circumstance, if we put our faith in the finished work of Christ, we can yet see a miracle. We can see a miracle. But here's what we must remember. He goes on in verse number 22. He says this, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Now many have taken, many have taken that verse and run with it. I can ask the Lord for anything I want. For anything I want, and the Lord is bound to give me uh, what I want. Let's come together. Let's pray for this thing that I want. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I there in He is there in the midst. We, we're gonna we're gonna pray. Listen, listen. All of our prayers, and this type of praying. Remember what it says in the Book of James that sometimes we pray amiss. We pray with wrong motives and wrong intentions. And we intend to take that which we get and heap it upon our lust. God is not bound to, to uh, fulfill or answer that type of prayer. But the prayers that he will answer are the prayers that, that are in accordance to his will. The prayers that are in accordance with his will. That is important for us to remember. We must not we must not ask outside of his will. We must make sure that our that our asking is conformable to his word. Amen. We just that is not this this verse number 22 is not just ask whatever you want and you got it. You got it. No, 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 no. That that that's not how it goes. That's not how it goes at all. But once again, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believe it. Believe it. Where's your faith? Where is your faith? Amen. Ye shall receive. We were talking just a moment ago, just a few minutes ago, about running on a prayer line. It's nothing wrong with being prayed for. Of course not. Of course not. I've been in my share of prayer lines before uh, in my life. And I've, I've, I've been on prayer lines and I've been prayed for and, and, and seen the Lord work, and I've been on prayer lines where nothing seemed to to happen. Uh, I've been on prayer lines where I've been <laughs> don't mean to smile, but it it seemed funny at the time where I've been literally uh, literally uh, smacked in the head. Sm I mean, I mean a good one. I mean where you hear the sound, a slap like boom, and and immediately it's like that's not from God. No, I did not come up here. I did not come up here to get prayed for, to get slapped in the front of the head. No, no. Uh, but once again, believing, where is your faith? Amen. Where does your faith lie? Uh, when we put all of our, uh, it, it, we have to be careful that we don't put our faith in the hand of the man that we're waiting to be touched by. I've seen people, I've, I've seen the call go out. We're going to pray, we're going to pray for everybody. I've seen people get up and run. I've seen people get up and run to the front so that they can be prayed for. Now, where's your faith when that's taking place? Excuse me, but where, where is your faith? In the, in the man, in the individual who just said, I'm going to pray for you now? Or is your faith in Christ and his finished work? If you're putting your faith 
in the hand of the man that's going to put his hand on your shoulder, on your head. No. If you put your faith in the oil that he may, that he may anoint you with. No, no. The oil is only symbolic of the spirit of God. That, that, that's, that's what the oil is for. But listen, you need to keep your faith locked in. Locked in. As difficult as it may sound, you need to keep your faith locked into Christ and who he is. Even as you're being prayed for. Lord, it's all about you. It's all about you. Lord, I place my faith in you. Lord, you are the healer. Lord, you are the deliverer. Lord, you set uh, set individuals free. Lord, it's all about you. And so once again, be very careful when you uh, if, if you are one that has gotten or, or, or get on prayer lines, I, I've seen I've seen people stand online for hours just for the individual to do this for about two or three seconds. And it's the next person. And I'm wondering, where's your faith? You've been standing there online long enough to be healed yourself already. You, 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 you should be praying already. Careful uh, when it comes to that. Amen. In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Verse number 23, as we begin to wind down here tonight, when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, how dare they? And let me just make that statement. How dare they come to him and ask him that question? But by what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? As if they didn't already know. As if Jesus hasn't already told them and spoken to them of these things already. Okay? Verse, <laughs> verse number uh, verse number 24, and Jesus answered and said unto them, I will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do things. Jesus says, listen, listen, I'll answer your question if you answer my question first. <laughs> the baptism of John. Okay, the baptism of John, Jesus says, whence was it? Where did it come from? From heaven or of men? And so they come together. These Pharisees who came to try and poke holes in who Jesus was and try to poke holes in his authority, they reasoned with themselves saying, if we say, if we shall say, from heaven, he will say unto us, why did ye not then believe him? Hmm. But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. You see, Jesus gave them, Jesus gave them something that they had to really talk over with themselves. Either way they went, it would show them as being very corrupted and dishonest people. 
And they did not want to come over as being dishonest to the people. Remember, they were already jealous of Jesus and they didn't want to come off as being bad people. And so in verse number 27, they answered Jesus and said, <laughs> we cannot tell. In other words, we don't know. We don't know. Now that was that was a lie. That was a lie. They 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 knew. They reasoned this out among themselves. They knew the quandary that they were in completely. And they simply said, We 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 cannot tell. We we just do not know. And Jesus, and he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. You can't answer my question. <laughs> I'm not going to answer your question. The answer to the question was, of course, he got his authority from his father, of course. And they knew they knew this already. Uh, but once again, Jesus said, you're not going to tell me. You're not going to tell me. You're not going to give me the answer to my question. Then I'm not going to give you the answer to your question. And that is where that sat and he would go on he goes on into the, the re remainder of the chapter and he tells them several several parables uh to cement his point amen but we're going to stop there for tonight but i want you to take i want you to take these words uh with you i want you to take these words concerning once again the importance of of jesus triumphal entry we, got, we must make sure that he is the right king in our life, that we're not looking to Jesus to do things that he did not come to do. We must make sure that he is savior, savior. In other words, make sure that he is your savior. Are you sure? I'm not trying to place doubt on anyone's mind or heart. Of course not. I'm just make sure, know that you are born again. Know that you are saved. Amen. Know it beyond a shadow of, of a doubt. I don't think it's very proud or prideful for for an individual to say, I know that I am saved. I know it. I know it. Okay? And you should be able to say, I am saved. Period. Don't allow, don't, don't have Jesus to be who you perceive him to be. Make sure that Jesus, who you know, make sure Jesus is who you know him to be, your savior. Amen. Your savior. Amen. The one who died for you, the one that you have received, the one whose spirit lives within you. That's what it's all about. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we bless your name tonight. We thank you once again for giving us this time in your word. Lord, I thank you for each and every one that has come uh, to this study to hear your word, Lord Jesus. Lord, uh, we pray that your word will continue uh, to be in our spirits and in our hearts. And Lord, I pray uh, that we will hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Lord, have your way in us, through us. Lord, be to us what we can never be to ourselves, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray uh, that you will continue to keep us in the hollow of your hand, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for each and every one under the sound of your word tonight, Lord, that you will continue to give them strength as they continue to look to you, the author and finisher of their faith. Lord, I pray that we will continue uh, to keep the cross at the forefront, at the center 
of our lives, Lord Jesus, understanding, Lord, that as we place our faith in you, Lord, we will see you do great and mighty things. Lord, have your way. Bless us together right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next week, Lord willing, we will continue here. We'll finish off this chapter, uh, number 21. Uh, and, um, yeah, we'll finish off chapter 21 next week. And um, we pray that the Lord uh, will continue to be with us. Let me say hello to a few people. Amen. Uh, God bless you once again, Sharon. Uh, God bless you, my brother Norman. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, God bless you, Doris and Linda, Tracy T, Frank, uh, Tracy T. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my brother Mark. Uh, God bless you, my brother Mahari. Uh, God bless you all. Amen. God bless you. I want to thank you all for being with us. And um, once again, um, I just bless the Lord and thank him for all of you. Amen. Norman Hallam. Good evening, all. Clarence A. Bibles. Yes, yes. Amen, Norman. I remember you when you were, uh, uh, when you, uh, when you spoke. Yes, yes. God bless you. Amen. Clarence Hayes. Good brother. Good brother. Good brother. Very good brother. Amen. So we just honor the Lord and bless him and thank him for who he is. Amen. Let's, uh, I want to also invite you to, uh, to join us throughout the week. We're here. Uh, four days out of the week, we're here on Sunday mornings. Uh, lately, it's been Sunday afternoons, uh, but we're here on Sundays live. Uh, Monday night here live. Uh, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, our our hot topic for tomorrow night's podcast, and we're going to be talking about: Are you ready or not? That's our topic tomorrow night. Are you ready or not? Amen. And we're going to be unpacking some vital aspects of readiness. What does it? What does it really mean to be ready? The Bible has a lot to say about being ready. Amen. We're going to be talking about that tomorrow night. So hopefully uh, you can join us. I know the date is wrong. Is the date wrong? No, it is Tuesday, November 3rd. I thought I had the date wrong. Wednesday is the first. Amen. Tomorrow is the 28th. Is the 30th. So join us tomorrow night if you can. That's at 8 o'clock uh, p.m. And on Wednesday night, Wednesday night, the Cutting It Right Bible Study. The first principle of the Christian life. Uh, we're going to continue uh, our discussion, our lessons on confession and repentance, and we're going to be talking about repentance from dead works. Amen. And what is that all about? Repentance from dead works. We'll be talking about that coming up on uh, Wednesday night on the Cutting It Right Bible Study. Amen. So we pray, uh, we pray that you will be able to. Uh, join us. Amen. And that is coming up on Wednesday night. Amen. And you can also, don't forget, you can also purchase our book, which is available on Amazon.com, Churchified or Sanctified, uh, Exploring the Dangers of Religion and the Glories of Relationship. That's, once again, it's available on uh, Amazon.com. Amen. I, I believe it'll be a blessing uh, to your life. Our other book, uh, is entitled The Lights in the Windows, and it's eight basic and powerful principles on evangelism. Amen. So once again, check those out if you can. I believe that you'll be blessed. And you can also uh, follow us and subscribe to our, you can subscri subscribe rather to our channel uh, on YouTube. 
That's that's the word ministries on YouTube. We have many, many, many who, who follow us and watch us on YouTube. Uh, you can also go to our website, which is that's the word.org. You can also uh, follow us on social media. Amen. Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Amen. So we just bless the Lord and honor him uh, for what he is doing in our hearts and thank him for what he is doing uh, in our lives. You can download these podcasts to your smart device uh, by going to Spreaker.com. That is our that is our main podcast platform. Uh, and uh, we have those who do listen in from across the United States uh, and, around, and around the world. Amen. And so once again, thank you for being with us. And don't forget, you can join us tomorrow night. We'll be right back here on social media, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Spreaker.com, and Instagram tomorrow night. Uh, and we'll be here with our study concerning are you ready or not. Amen. So thank you for joining us. I'm Michael Jakes, and we will see you next time. May God bless you.